my God. Lord, give your hand, give a clap unto the Lord. He is worthy of praise and glory and honor. In this morning, we wake up and know that there's a God in heaven who hears our cries and our praises. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. It's good to be in the house of God here today. I tell you what, I pondered some things. My knees have buckled every now and then, but God is always on the throne and he's always looking down on us. And let us be grateful and gracious for that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, if you know, God has done something good for you. And I just kind of wrote this down in your life that has left you in awe. Would you join me right now and say, God, I will give you praise. I know that he has for me because he brought me out of that darkness and into his marvelous light. Lord, there's nothing, oh God, that can hold me back from giving you praise because you are worthy. Thank you, Jesus, for your magnificent work on your body here today. In the name of Jesus, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. I'd like to get, take this opportunity to give thanks, you know, the Lord, first of all, for making all these things possible. There's not anything that happens in our lives unless God has started to start to move in our lives and give us the opportunity to move into those things. Glory and praise be unto him. Amen. But I also want to give uh, honor to Pastor Locke for giving me this opportunity for teaching. You know, it's, it's something that is uh, not easily a given, but uh, he, he has given of this time. And I want to say thank you, Pastor Locke. I appreciate that. Thank you. But also I want to give for those who have supported me, those who have encouraged me, those who have said, hey, Andy, it's going to be okay. You know, I, you, you stutter, but it's all right. We're going to be fo move, you know, moving forward from this. And my wife, she knows me better than anyone else. She is the biggest support that I have, and I thank God every day for the help that he has given me. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. And if you would turn your Bibles to chapter, I'm sorry, to, uh, to Luke chapter 4, verse 18, 18, I'm sorry, 18 through 22. And the Bible says, or I say it reads, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. He set a, he, uh, to set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of them, of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on, him, fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? So if you would bow your heads and pray with me today that God would lead me and teach this word. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the word, Lord. You teach us, Lord, through your, through your understanding, Lord, that there's some things that seem to pass us by, Lord. But if, if we play, pay close attention to your word, we can learn from that. Lord, prepare our hearts, our minds, Lord. And also, Lord, as I speak this word that I preach to myself, Lord, in your mighty name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Everybody said amen. You may, you may be seated. Praise the Lord. Praise God. It is good. Now, I'm gonna, I said something to my wife this morning. I said to her, when I come up here and I teach, uh, what do I sound like? You know, and, and, and I know she's, she is my best critic 
Because I'll hear myself, well, that doesn't sound too bad. But I tell you what, she said, um, sometimes you do lose me a little bit. So I'm going to try not to do that today. So if you feel like I'm shooting you with a machine gun, I will try to slow down. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. So in just the, the you know, it, um, here we go again. In just about every faith that exists, there's a form of instruction to live by. Usually some are good and uh, some are bad. Uh, and that is not true for us in this case. Uh, and simply because we as a Christian, uh, as a denomination, we understand that we live by the word of God and the instruction of the Lord. We are filled with the Holy Spirit when we obey God's word and we begin to understand that God has done something great in our lives and has started to progress us into a better, I almost say, dimension. To give us, you know, God gives us this uh, gift, and not, not for us to uh, exalt ourselves, any, so, but instead, on the contrary, those who hear the truth, we have to understand that not everybody is going to uh, believe it and understand it, so we must have patience in this particular case. When Jesus was done reading, and he closed the book, and he gave it to the minister, he sat down, and the word says that every person that was in the synagogue had their eyes fastened on him. And as he began to say unto them, in verse 21, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Now I can only imagine what happened to the people as they sat there, and I'm talking about the Jews, as they heard him say these words, that he began to utter the very next words as we know them to say. And Jesus, when he uttered them, he was speaking these words so that they would be attentive and pick up on what was he was, be, he was declaring. Who was he, de- and who was he declaring, and what he was declaring to do and about. But I believe all they remember, they remembered at that time, on that particular time when they heard him open the book and close it, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Everything seemed to have been missed. Everything else but that part. They rejected that he was the anointed one to preach the gospel to the poor. And he was sent to heal the brokenhearted and to preach deliverance to the captives, those who needed recovering of sight, and of course those who were bruised. All was rejected when they said a few words, is not this Joseph's son? We instill doubt at times when we see certain things happen and we tend to rely or and lean more to our understanding at times, but if we hear the voice of God and reason the, the Bible says that let us reason, so we should reason within ourselves, not, not to give, give way to other uh, thoughts, but let the thoughts of God reason with us and allow us to slowly start to turn in the direction in which God wants to take us. People who tend to not receive, uh, the, I believe that they're held captive to their own thoughts. I believe this is what happened when they sat there and they began to reject those things of the Lord, unable to see the possibility that Jesus was more than what they saw. The anointing and the word of God will always bring deliverance. It will never bring anyone into captivity. Jesus said in John chapter 8 verse 32, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. As we read the scriptures, we know they, they rejected Jesus, what he has said. But I would like to point out something else. It was very, very, it was very subtle, but again, I caught it 
as I continue to read, Jesus was not rejected at first. It was not until their minds began to question what Jesus said. It sounded good at first. And in verse 22, it says, And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. They loved it. So before there was rejection, the words of Jesus uh, that came out were very uh, sweet and loving and caring. And it wasn't that Jesus was trying to cause anyone to get angry. He was trying to clear the way. They were not bothered by what he read in the scriptures. It was what followed. It's always what follows shortly after. They were stunned at what he said. Jesus was proclaiming himself as the one prophesied about. They could not believe that the son of a carpenter would be this person. It was definitely unexpected for those, again, in the synagogue, or at least to them who know the rule and the function and operation of their way. They were set in their, in their customs and, and way of doing things that all of a sudden this happens and they did not know how to respond. Instead, it got quiet for probably for a moment and then it started. They started to talk within each other. A little gossip began to form in the midst of them. And until they all came to the agreement and they all got loud, then they pretty much concluded, we're going to reject his words, which are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. And more importantly, when they rejected his words, they rejected him. And how do they say that? By saying, is this not Joseph's son? There you go. See, I told you, it's only Joseph's son. That's usually the, the, you know, the, the come on to kind of, let's, 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 let's reel it in. Let's all agree here. With God, no one can stop what he's going to come, what he's going to do and what is going to come forth when the anointing that he has placed upon it comes forth. Whether it be a person, whether it be a work, and no matter what it, what it would be, God will have his way. So let's take, for instance, this example. Uh, and brother, if uh, you would put that image on the screen. Following the end of World War II, the German capital of Berlin was divided into two cities. East Berlin and West Berlin. The divide between the two portions of the city soon came to be emblematic of the ideological divide between the free and democratic nations of the West, particularly West Germany's chief ally, the United States, and the oppressive communist regimes of Eastern Europe and Russia. So if we know about the Berlin Wall, we know it no longer stands because they took it down. East and West Berlin would remain divided for three and a half decades, with the infamous Berlin Wall serving as an unsightly physical reminder of that division. On the western side of the wall, residents of the West Berlin enjoyed the wide range of liberties, including freedom of worship. On the east side, the atheistic community government of the German Domestic Republic, East Germany, tightly controlled the daily lives of its citizens while officially rejecting belief in God and restric restricting, restricting excuse me, religious practice. In 1965, German communists commissioned the construction of a 1,207 feet tall broadcast tower, and that would represent what they saw as a superiority, I'm trying to say that right, of their system over the ideology of their Western counterparts. And this is what they built. I'm not sure that's a very good, oh yeah, it's pretty good. All right, praise the Lord. So again, they were making the statement, without saying it, we are better than you. This tower, which would be known 
as Berliner uh, from Septum, I know it's a little twisted, means Berlin Television Tower in English was completed in 1969. Its architecture would feature a giant sphere covered with 140 stainless steel panels, was intended to commemorate, commemorate the success of the Soviet uh, Sputnik first, uh, first satellite with the East Germans saw, I'm sorry, which the East Germans saw as a demonstration of the technological superiority of their system over the West. So this was something they were, they were actually using to boast about themselves. We are better because we have something of this nature and you do not. We are smart or whatever it might have been. Soon after the tower was completed, the East German government discovered uh, what they viewed was an embarrassing flaw in the structure's design. So they say. <laughs> when sunlight would reflect, we reflected from the stainless steel sphere, it reflected the image of a cross. The communists had rejected the very idea of God, yet every time the rays of the rising sun struck the fernsipterm, the enduring symbol of Christianity reflected across East Berlin. Quickly recognizing the irony of the situation, residents of West, of West Berlin began referring to this phenomenon as the Pope's revenge in his eight, 1987 speech before the Brandenburg Gate, the speech in which he famously challenged Soviet leader Malkahel Gorbachev to tear down the Berlin Wall. Then U.S. President Ronald Reagan noted the East German officials had repeatedly treated uh, the, this sphere uh, of paints with chemicals of every kind in an effort to keep the symbol of Christianity from shining throughout their city. This is where their shame came because they were against Christianity and they couldn't shut it down. Yet even today when the sun strikes the sphere, that sphere, the towers over all Berlin, it towers over all Berlin, the light makes the shine of a cross, Reagan noted. There in Berlin, like the city itself, symbols of worship cannot be suppressed. The atheistic, atheistic East Germans discovered that while they have rejected Jesus Christ and his cross, his message would continue to be proclaimed even if he had to commission the rays of the sun to be his messengers. Praise the Lord. Even in times of trials where it seems that something is not going to get across, God is going to make a way. He always does. He never holds back, and he is good that way. Praise the Lord. Amen. I'm glad we all agree with that. <laughs> so in all, when resistance comes against the work of the Lord, resistance will fail. It cannot overcome God's mighty hand. Now, it doesn't mean that, we're not, that when we go against it, we're not going to hurt. It's okay to hurt. This is how we grow. I personally would like to see this iconic emblematic structure, not to mock it, but perhaps just to see the work of God, how it continues here today. And not here, but where we are in Germany, where they are in Germany. With that being said, the message that I'm going to be talking about here today is empowered by rejection. Praise the Lord. God's anointing is, based on, is not based on people's acceptance. Rejection seems to be one of the most mentioned consequences when anointed of God is obeying God's voice. In Scripture, we find that when God's word came uh, by the prophet, they were rejected, killed, beaten, and definitely avoided. Their definition for rejection, I had to look, look this up a little bit because it was a little bit kind of uh, 
not that I don't understand what the word means, but I wanted to give a little bit more understanding on it. The action of rejecting, the state of being rejected, refusal, in non-acceptance, declining, turning down, dismissal, abandonment, forsaking, desertion, shutting out, exclusion, shunning, cold shouldering, ostracizing, avoidance, ignorance, and, of course, snubbing, and there's more that comes from that. It, al- it almost feels like you've been, uh, when something like this happens to you, like you've been, you know, they have another saying, it's like you've been kicked in the teeth. You ever heard that one? Yeah. And then, of course, there, there is also a slap in the face. And, again, those are just descriptions to kind of give you a general idea of what it feels like. I would think, and I've heard this word probably and experienced it, and I'm talking about the word rejection uh, at one time or another. And for some of us, possibly more often than we have, we should have, and I'm talking about also experience the action of it. In some cases, people feel the need to belong and give to what they usually wouldn't. The peer pressure of being accepted by a large group can be very persuasive. If you feel persuaded to lower your standards, which God has convicted you of, I ask you to hold them. Hold to them. God honors those who hold to their convictions and not into the desires of men. I would rather be hated by man and loved by God. Don't allow rejection, though, however, to make you bitter or angry. But instead, take that rejection and give it to God in prayer. And say, God... Forgive them for they know not what they do. And the fact of the matter is that we really don't, at times, when we do it to others, we don't know the damage that we cause. So we should be very careful when we do this. Relationships take time to build and can be destroyed in seconds. Before Jesus was confronted by those uh, who would not accept his words, uh, at the beginning of his ministry, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. We, almost must, we also must be led by the Spirit so that we can accomplish the will of God so that He can do all that He can through us. We must refocus our mind to do His will. Those who did not believe rejected Jesus' Jesus' words. Those who believed more likely followed Him. Uh, and probably not all of them because at the beginning... When there's always a movement that begins, not everybody follows and some do. And those who don't want to be left out and don't want to be rejected will follow as well. Let rejection become part of the catalyst to move you forward into success for the kingdom of God. Jesus said in John chapter 15 verse 18 to 19, If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. If you are hated because you have abandoned the world, then rest assured that Jesus loves you. Because you have chosen righteousness. Sometimes the people we love, the most most we will, will accept, they won't accept our decision to follow God. I went through that. His anointing uh, sometimes means forging uh, or foregoing acceptance from others, meaning forget about them for a time, not that we don't reach out to them, including those closest to us. They fail to recognize what God is doing in our lives, choosing instead to see us as we once were. They do not understand the change that has happened in us. Jesus was rejected, and it did not stop. His ministry. 
His rejection at his hometown propelled him into that next event of his ministry. Jesus recognized that he was not accepted as a prophet in his own country. It was more likely because they knew him. And in this case, uh, we know very well that he was, he didn't feel, uh, I'm sorry, do not, he did not feel like they needed to hear his advice, those who he was talking to, uh, when it doesn't, and more importantly, it doesn't, does it, when it doesn't line up with what they want to hear, they shut their ears. And this is pertaining to people that we, that are close friends and loved ones at times. I don't need to hear that. Now, by the time Jesus uh, had already met with John, we, and this is, uh, of course, when he had gone into the, the synagogue, uh, he was already baptized. And, of course, he wasn't baptized in Jesus' name because he is Jesus. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and, of course, he was filled. The Bible says he was filled with the Holy Ghost, the whole, this Holy Spirit. And he, he was tempted in the wilderness by Satan, and he overcame temptation. In verse 14, what Jesus returned when he come back, came back, it says he returned in power of the Spirit into Galilee. So again in 15, he taught the synagogues being glorified of all. This is once he came in. He was already filled. He was already empowered. He was doing what was customary in his hometown. Just, just what he, he was probably used to do. He was probably uh, welcomed and invited to probably talk at the synagogue, being that he had come back. And then, of course, they handed him, as we know, the book of Isaiah. And, I'm sorry, Isaiah's and reads when he finds the place where it was written. And when he found it, where it was written is where he read the Lord, that he was anointed by the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Jesus went on looking for the scripture because this book is in his hands. There is no coincidence that it's happened. It was for the right moment to test the spirit of every person in that synagogue. This was documented so that we would recognize the errors of the past, things that were missed because the human thought and mind could not understand it. We must be spiritually prepared to understand what God has for us waiting for us at all times, at all times. Jesus was in the spirit. He was not half prayed up. He was not flimsy with his words or actions. He was not going to in and out and, uh, you know, this is right, this is wrong. He was in the spirit. There was no room for flesh. Can you imagine if Jesus had done something like that, then that gives us the opportunity to do almost anything we want. But thanks to what he did, he set a standard for us, and he gave us a form of accountability in which to follow. Then he began to read in verse 18, as I mentioned earlier, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And, of course, I'm going to jump over and it says, this day towards the end is this scripture fulfilled. Okay, again, the people here, it shows over. That was, uh, that was kind of their attitude when they, when they asked um, or when he said what he was saying, at least not until Jesus began to remind them of some of their past history. They had forgotten him for just a little bit. First they were excited, and then they ignored him, and then their attention was back on him. They became angry when he reminded them of the moment of Elijah's life. God sent the prophet Elijah to minister to the widow in Zarephath. During a time of famine, this is in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 9 through 6, 16, 
we're not going to go there, but I'm just going to give you the, the scripture just in case. This woman was not a member of the nation of Israel, yet because of her faith in God, she received a continuous supply of food during a famine. God's people had rejected the Lord and his prophet during the time so. God worked outside the boundaries of the nation of Israel. A Gentile received miraculous provision while faithless Israelites went hungry. It doesn't sound like something that I would have thought I would have heard until I read it a little bit more in depth. And then the scripture that comes to James, uh, faith without works is dead. We must be careful not to miss what God has for us because we become familiar with him. When we become familiar with him, that means we know that we, we have gotten to the point where we feel that we know it all. We don't need more. And we start to drift away little by little. It, it doesn't happen all at once. We must be on guard against becoming desensitized to the leading of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle John warned the members of the church of Laodicea that they had become comfortable and did not realize they were wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. This was a church. The Spirit challenged them to anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see, Revelation chapter 3, verse 17 through 18. They needed to see themselves as God saw them, which would then lead to repentance. The longer we walk with God, the more we must be on guard against the tendency to take him for granted. Familiarity with God, God's word, and the ways can ironically cause us to miss out on the work he wants to do through us and in us. Jesus went on to remind them of other recorded events where uh, favor was given to the Gentiles. And in verse 26 and 27, skipping down to 28, all they in the synagogue, when they had heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up against him out of the city. Oh, I'm sorry, rose up and thrust him out of the city, verse 29, and led him into the brow of the hill. They were going to throw him headlong. We don't want to hear what you have to say. They were trying to kill him. And in verse 30, but he passing through the midst of them went his way. Jesus was not phased by rejection. Jesus was full of the Holy Ghost, led in the wilderness by the Spirit, and returned in the power of the Spirit. Does this sound familiar? I can remember when I first gave my life to the Lord. You're going to go into the wilderness. If you've not been there yet, let me just say it's, it's, it's not an easy task, but if you endure, you're, there's going to be great things that happen after that. You have to hold on to that. The Spirit of the Lord is our strength, which is the Holy Ghost, and that's Jesus. Hear this. He tested in the desert. He was tested by, again, he was tested by Satan in the desert. He preached. He walks into the places known. He, re, he reads scripture again. He's, he's tested. He passes in both areas, outside and inside. Praise the Lord. But he doesn't stop there. He moves on. God's anointing is not, again, I said, based on people's acceptance. Verse 31 says, Jesus came, to, came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. 
And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. What happened to the rejection? Oh, the rejection, it was overcome by the Holy Ghost. He didn't need that anymore. Don't let the rejection of someone or something hold you back from God's plan. I know that at times, we, and I mentioned it earlier, we walk through those, but we shouldn't let it phase us. At least if when we get to the point where we know and we say, Lord, I trust in you, and I know that you're going to guide me and lead me in all, all my ways. Verse 33, in the synagogue there were uh, the man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice, saying, let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? It was Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee, who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him to the midst, he came out of him and hurt him not. And they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power he commandeth the unclean spirits that they come out. And the fame of him went out into every place of the country round about. Jesus didn't stop there. Had he stopped, this would have never taken place. It would have never been seen by the city. And, of course, his fame would have never gone out. Not that we're looking for fame, but we are a representation of Jesus Christ. And if we shut down in times of rejection, we're not going to be able to do the work of the Lord. So we take that rejection and we say, I'm holding on to it. If you think this is going to take me down, you have no idea who I serve. You speak to that situation. You put it down in the, call down the name of Jesus. Put the blood down. Don't be afraid to call in the blood. It has power. It's never gone out. Praise the Lord. But that is not the case here. Uh, as far as with the, the man who was, Jesus had let the rejection of his house. If, now, if he had let these towners bring him down, uh, he had not been filled or empowered by the Holy Ghost. He would have never been able to do his work. But that is not what, what the case is here. He commanded with authority and the power of the unclean spirits to come out, and they did. In the same sense, we have that. We, do, we, we hold, we have the Holy Ghost. We're baptized in his name. We have been given the opportunity to be a part of God's kingdom. Some people are content with uh, merely God's word proclaimed while others have a faith to see it fulfilled. Faith makes the difference. Uh, are we satisfied with only hearing about what God can do or do we have the faith to see God's work become reality? We must have the faith to move into the step in our lives and allow that God is for us. Rejection may show its face, but God has taught us to push through it. We must use the gift given to us for the sake of the lost. Jesus went out to preach to the kingdom, uh, even when it seemed hopeless to some. But Jesus was led by the Spirit and went out in the hope anyway, as he should have and as he did, as, as we should, should as well. Even if others reject me, I will still do what God has called me to do. That is the thought here. I am anointed by God, and I am here to preach the good news. This applies to all of us who are baptized in Jesus' name. In Luke chapter 6, verse 45 through 46, a good man out the good of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man 
Out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. And why call me Lord, this is the Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say. How do we respond to rejection? It's what makes the, how we respond to rejection is what makes the difference. And I'm closing here. It's what makes the difference of success and failure in both life and ministry. There is often a, re, a repeated story about the horse trainer, Monty Roberts, uh, that illustrates the perfect response to doubt and rejection. And I don't know if any of you guys have heard this story. I thought it was pretty good. And it says, Monty's father was an itinerant horse trainer who traveled from ranch to ranch, never staying in one place for a long time. The family struggled to make ends meet. And the boy's future did not look promising, especially considering that his education was frequently interrupted uh, by the family's constant need to relocate from town to town. And I can relate to that. When Monty was a senior in high school, a teacher asked him to write a paper about what he wanted to be when he was older. The boy responded by writing a seven-page manuscript that described in detail the ranch he planned to own one day. Imagine that. He submitted the paper and was surprised when he received an F on the assignment. When Monty asked why he had been given this failing grade, the teacher responded, the dream is unrealistic for a boy in your situation. The teacher then suggested that he resubmit the assignment with a more realistic vision for his future. According to the story, Monty took a few days to consider his response. Finally, he went back to the teacher and said, you can keep your F and I will keep my dream. <laughs> Talking about proclaiming it. Amen. Today, Monty... Roberts is a highly successful horse trainer and the owner of a large ranch in California. You and I will face doubt and rejection. We can count on it. If people doubted Jesus, the only perfect man who ever lived, then they're surely going to doubt us. And we may even prove our doubters right occasionally, but the question is not whether people will believe in us, but rather will we believe that God what God says is for us and about us. We also need to believe. We believe this, his promises. We, be, we should believe God's word. We'll believe he can use us despite our flaws and imperfections. If we internalize rejection and believe that others think about us in the tr uh, as truth, it will severely limit what we are able to accomplish for God's kingdom. Again, letting it fester. That's what I am. And, but we don't do that. But if we follow the example of Jesus and keep doing what God has called us to do, we will find there is no limit to what God can accomplish in us and through us. Praise the Lord. And in concluding, the coming of the Lord is closer than ever. I know you probably heard this from time, time after time. And the reason is because the more often you hear it, uh, the more aware we should become and reminded of what this pertains to. In doing so, I have learned to accept certain things. Not that they really affect my thoughts towards people, but to realize that you can only work so hard uh, to help someone to receive what, they're, what you're trying to share. It doesn't mean that you don't pray for them if they ask us to. This is usually only for new converts and, of course, and non-believers who are trying to win over to the Lord. But if you are in the church, 
Don't get tired of hearing what the Lord has to say. God wants to save us from ourselves, our own agenda. An agenda that at times does not allude to anything having to do with God. Not every time, but sometimes. God wants to deliver us and bring us into a safe and a convenient, I should say convenient, but a, a good place to be with Him. If you would stand with me today in closing and worshiping the Lord, giving Him praise, and just saying, Lord, use me. I'm not going to let rejection take me down. I know that I possess your spirit, Lord, because you gave it to me. You fray, I, you, it was already there. And all I had to do was commit. And you gave it to me, Lord. I thank you for that. Praise the Lord. You lift your hands and worship. There is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do. I can search for all eternity. presence. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your people, Lord, that obey your word. I pray that God has blessed you with this word today that you've received. I know, like I said earlier, uh, there were some things that I fought with, but in all, you know, God, God, God gets the glory in all this. It's all for him. It's, we're all trying to get to the same place. And I just want to make sure that we're all going to make it there. Praise the Lord. God bless you. As we move into this, this next service, we're going to go into prayer. Those are at home. You'd like to join us at 11. Thank you for joining us here today. God bless you all. In Jesus' name, glory be to God. Amen.